morning, we, before we turn to ordaining Jessica and Tracy, we turn to Scripture. We turn to a Scripture about thankfulness. I alluded to it in the pastoral prayer, but Scripture and the work of the church and, and worship provides kind of two functions. The first is an assurance that God loves us and God is with us. And the second is related to that old saying, God loves you so much that you can that He loves you just the way you are, but so much more that He's not just going to leave you that way. Scripture also challenges us. And today we read a particular passage that I think is quietly challenging to us as we read a, a word that is so familiar, a story that we probably all could recite and all of us could tell. It's a story of Jesus healing ten lepers, and it comes from Luke chapter 17. It's just eight verses, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee, As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? Where are the other nine? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you consider life, the world around you, everything that sort of makes up your world, are are you not amazed? We live in an amazing world. And I'm not even going to talk about like creation and fall, which is just right about to happen. How much we all love the beautiful changing of leaves or how much we love the life that comes during spring. Let, let me just take two silly examples when I think about how amazing our life is. The grocery store. The grocery store is Amazing. You just walk a cart through there and you can get all the food that you can afford to pay for. And it is so inexpensive compared to what it could be. I mean, I could be an advertisement for Food Lion right now because you can get food from around the world there. We don't live in a food desert. Some of us need to look up what a food desert is. And we don't live in the depression like our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did. Or what about your car? Like, I don't know how new or fancy your car is, but we got a new car in the last year. It's a Subaru 
They're not known for their luxury. But when the thing runs out of gas, not only does it tell you you're going to run out of gas, it asks you if it wants, if you want help finding a gas station. Like, how many of you, like me, had a first car that was older than, say, like a 1975 model, and you ran out of gas? Because those gauges were, like, sketchy. I kept mileage, but I was always trying to coast into the station. My wife can tell you stories about that. And adjusted for inflation, i got to be honest with you, adjusted for inflation, that Subaru that my wife drives every day cost less than a brand new Pontiac GTO did in 1969. The world is amazing. The access that we have in Oxford, North Carolina, in Central North Carolina, to healthcare, to the arts, to sports, to leisure activities, is, is incredible. You can, you can, because of your fancy cars, we can drive to the beach on like easy roads in two hours, or the mountains. You don't have to go through stoplights and speed traps if you don't want to. We have so much at our disposal. No matter what they say on the TV or in the newspaper, we have so much to be thankful for. And I haven't even talked about the church yet. Which, if you look at TV or the newspaper or the internet, you can find uh, 100,000 stories about how the church is in decline, about how life in the church is difficult. I could tell you about difficulties that we have. Yet, we have it so much better than so many others. We do. And you can trust me about that, or you can go visit some other places and see it. But that's the fact. Things may frustrate us. We may be stressed and tired and too busy and have too much on our plates. And, and life might not be the heyday that it once was at a certain time. Yet, we are amazingly blessed. And sometimes all we do about it is take a photo with our phone, post it to our favorite social site, and say, isn't, it, isn't God great? As we go about the rest of our lives and we do nothing more. And if that weren't the case, if that weren't a warning to us, I don't think Jesus would have told this story about the Samaritan, the outsider, who was healed and came back, when presumably the other nine insiders, who should have been really thankful, didn't take the time to do it. And so, maybe, after hearing this story, we should be encouraged that, yes, we... We will be healed, but also challenged, and that we must actively be thankful also. That story is simple. Ten lepers were healed by Jesus. Some of them had been sent out from like the comfortable community where the Jews lived. They were in between areas because they were unclean. They weren't allowed to live with everybody else. And one of them was a Samaritan who wasn't even fit to live in Samaria anymore. 
They called out to Jesus and he healed them. And as they were going, one of them realized he had been healed. And so he went back to say thank you. He actively decided to give thanks rather than just going along his way and be like, oh yeah, that guy Jesus, he healed me, isn't it great? Now let's get to what i got to get to. Sometimes some people may think, well, that's nice. Like, I've never had leprosy, so maybe I don't need to be healed. Or, I am thankful, so that's good enough. But do you ever fear that, like, maybe you're just paying lip service to give thanks? Do you ever fear that we've been given so many opportunities and gifts as a part of our lives that maybe we just take all that for granted? I think sometimes the reason we have this passage is, is, is we're the other nine. We're not just the one who was healed, so we come and give thanks. Sometimes we just don't actively thank God like we should. We don't tangibly express the depth of our appreciation. We just fashion our own paths and give thanks when it's convenient. I can't tell you how you are or are not being actively thankful. I can't see in your heart and I don't see every moment of your lives. But I guess I have to infer that if this is the story, one of the stories that the church is telling us to read and for 2,000 years has been asking us to remember, then it's got to be a reminder to us We can't take all of our gifts for granted. We have access to so many things that, well, you can Google thankfulness and happiness and find research studies that back things up. Ask Alexa or Google or Siri when you get home to find a research article entitled Giving Thanks Will Make You Happier. And what you will find is the Harvard University Medical School reviewed a bunch of studies that found that when people are actively thankful and when they actively track things they have gratitude for, they are markedly happier people. When we actively keep track of things for which we're thankful, we are happier people. When a manager or a boss is intentionally and genuinely grateful for their employees and tells them that, the employees perform better. And there was a study of people who had volunteered to make phone calls for their university alumni association. And when... The simple thing, a university administrator went into the room before they made their calls, told them how thankful they are, were for the work the volunteers were doing on their behalf. The volunteers were happier with the task and raised more money for the university. The only thing I found that said these people, by keeping gratitude, are not happier were children and middle-aged, divorced, single women. 
I don't know what to do with that. But if you're a middle-aged, divorced, single woman, keeping a gratitude journal is not going to make you happier, according to the study. And if you're a child and your parents make you write a thank you note to an adult you appreciate, you're not going to get happier, but the adult you write to will feel blessed. So kids, there's no key in the thank you notes for you, but you should still write them and deliver them. But for the rest of us, the rest of us, actively giving thanks will make our lives qualitatively better. Running faster on the hamster wheel probably won't. Acquiring a little bit more probably won't. Doing a little bit more, stealing away a little more time probably won't. But actively giving thanks will. And so as it relates to how you give thanks to God, what do you do if a meme is not enough? I didn't intend to preach on this, but as I work through it, the reality is our church covenant tells us how to be thankful. You probably couldn't quote the church covenant, but you could ask Siri to take you to OxfordBaptistNC.org and it's on the front page of our website. It says that as Christians, we will exercise care and watchfulness over one another. Thus, giving thanks for one another for sharing life in community, actively engaging and caring for one another is an act of thankfulness for one another. Our covenant says, too, we will gather regularly and often for worship, fellowship, and study. Actively gathering to thank God for all that God has done through worship is what we're called to do. And it's hard to be thankful to God When we never show up. Point three says we'll seek God's guidance and abstain from ungodliness. We express our thankfulness to God by living in ways that God directs us. Point four says we actively will live out our faith with our families and with our children. We won't just pretend to be faithful when we come to church. Actively being thankful in our lives every day, not just when we show up here, is how we embody and teach and cultivate a sense of gratitude for ourselves and in our children. Point five says we will regularly, generously, and faithfully support the church in its financial needs. We show God we're thankful for our financial blessings by giving just a portion of it back. And even if you give the full 10% that God's asking for, that's less than half of what the government asks for. And I promise you, God is going to make you a whole lot more thankful for the 10% you give to the church than He is in the 24% you have to give back to Uncle Sam. And point number six, That when we leave this community and move somewhere else, we believe that it's so important that we will, the church is so important that we'll join another one, just like this one. Part of our life, our shared life together, is that if we move away, we go find another church. Because we realize that giving thanks to God through the life of the church is more important than just giving thanks to God through the life of Oxford Baptist Church.
believe that if we want to be different than the other nine, part of what we do is actively give thanks to God, actively engage in the life of the church. And that may seem odd, and that may seem old-fashioned, and yes, the covenant is 107 years old, but Scripture is 2,000 years old. And for 2,000 years, the happiest, most thankful, most engaged with the life of God people have been the ones who have actively engaged in the life of the church. So, that's the evidence. Decide what you're waiting for. Recommit yourself, I hope, to growing and by attending to your faith through worship and fellowship, through discipleship and service. Because it's what you're called to do, yes. But because it's what God tells you to do to make your life better. The final word is this. It's a transition to deacon ordination. It's a transition to setting apart two people today and a group of eight, many of which are here today, who have accepted the call to serve as deacons. When the church calls someone to be a deacon, we recognize their gifts and their willingness to serve. And the service of a deacon is not just an act of service to us, but it's an act of service to God. And as deacons, if they're doing it right, they are engaging and actively giving thanks like we've laid out. And they are, like I told the children, not doing faith for us but leading us in how we should do faith. And so today, as we consider deacon ordination, a work of the church, challenge you to engage in active thankfulness as the church. Consider with thanks those who have been called apart among us and those who are being set apart. But consider not also what you're asking them to do, but, but how you're asking them to lead you so that you can follow. In Luke 17, Jesus shows us the example of what it means to follow and be faithful. I pray today that we take the instruction to be a thankful people. And I implore us to follow the examples who, of those who actively turn back to Jesus and give thanks. May we not be some of the nine who pay lip service to thanks. May we give thanks like those who are healed because we have been healed. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we give you thanks for this day and for this time and for this church as we take a moment to transition to deacon ordination. We ask you to fill our hearts with gratitude and love for you and for these who you will work through. We ask you to help us actively give thanks for them and give thanks for all the ways that you provide for us. And we ask you, Lord, to strengthen, encourage, and challenge us through this time today as well that we might serve you more faithfully for setting apart those who lead us in service. 
These, O Lord, are our prayers, and we offer them in your great name today. Amen.